Clear Lake, Kima, Galveston Bay, an area of Houston synonymous with NASA and aerospace. Also, the go-to destination for those sailing and boating enthusiasts. When it comes to sailing, there's no better place to visit than Windward Sea Venture located in Kima. This is Sea Venture Radio, a weekly radio show dedicated to those who love life on the bay. Welcome to Sea Venture Radio, powered by Winter Sea Venture on Vital Draft Radio. Thanks for joining us. And as always, you can find us at WinwardSeaVenture.com. Uh, we're located on Pier 3 in Waterford Harbor. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. I've got an exciting episode today, everybody. We just got in uh, probably less than... Less than 24 hours about ago. About 24 hours ago, actually, uh, from the uh, Harvest Moon Regatta. Looked like you guys didn't have a whole lot of wind out there for this one. It ended up that way. <laughs> it ended up that way. but uh, Gorgeous uh, weather? Absolutely fabulous weather. It was beautiful. And we actually had pretty good wind at the start, and the boats that took advantage of that uh, were very successful. So what, uh, what kind of boat were you on again? I was on the Delta Tango, the Fontaine Peugeot Helio 44. That is a beautiful boat. It is a beautiful boat. And I... Grew to like it even, I mean, I liked the boat before, but the previous owners, which uh, had cruised on it for about five years, they really had that boat tricked out right. Yeah, I've noticed it's all set up. We, we did that one little race on it, uh, Waterford Harbor uh, Sailing Angels promotion race, and I we trimmed the spinnaker on it, trimmed up really nice. The boat was fast as heck. Yes. Um, yeah, and same thing. Uh, wasn't the perfect winds for us, but uh, for that... Uh, sail plan. Sail plan, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, but uh, we made the best of it. I think we probably learned a little bit on it, but uh, it was always next year. I think um, when I, I watched your sail tracking and I was watching you go along, and at first you, you hit like eight and so forth. You had some great speed going on and so forth. So I guess the wind was up? The wind was up. Uh, that's, uh, we were doing really good there. What the strategy had to be was because uh, we all knew the wind was going to die towards the tail end, so we had to keep our boat speed up. And I think we were just trying to point a little bit too high for what uh, – you could have could have kept some speed up after it started to slack off is what you're driving at well a couple things one i think we'd have gotten further um with what the wind we had right got us closer to the point and uh when it died off we'd have been a lot closer to where we were trying to go yeah and you if you'd stayed up a little closer to the rum line i guess it would have been a little tighter angle a little more wind speed if there was any wind it didn't look like there was yeah i mean basically we were uh by the time we just probably by about eight o'clock that morning or maybe even earlier it completely died and we were drifting fortunately the current was going in our direction <laughs> i saw i saw a lot of pictures from my friends on facebook and it looked like a real glass parking lot out there for uh, quite a while it was i was actually looking for buckets and wishing we had a sea anchor i think we'd have made more uh, way <laughs> maybe uh, the catamaran was a right boat with all that uh, displacement going on there yeah it looks to me like um, kind of a perfect boat for the wind to die, though, because you can just go play cricket on the foredeck or something like that. It's a huge boat. It is a huge boat. It is a huge boat. And uh, yeah, well, one of the neat things about the trip that uh, we had fun with is uh, these birds, a lot of birds, these little like finch. I don't know if they really were finch, but they looked like it. They, they, they thought you were an island and they came and landed on your island. They did. They were all over it. They were landing Excellent. on us. Um, Laurie was trying to get them on her finger. and uh, Oh, I... She posted a video of that, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it was kind of neat. And I've had that happen before, but I don't think I've ever had quite this many. I mean, they were... Oh, really? When I say they were everywhere, I mean, we probably had 10 birds huh. bouncing around on the boat. 
I wonder if they're kind of always out there, if they fly around out there and then fly back to land or something, I, I, or do they, do they get lost? I know they come across from South America at some point. Yeah, I, I'm not a birder. I don't know the details of the migration patterns of these birds or what kind of birds they were, for that matter. But uh, Laurie brought it up uh, work last night at the ER down at UTMB, and one of the doctors she works with, he's an avid offshore fisherman, and he said a lot of them will just are living on those rigs out there. Ah. And so they uh, wait for um, boaters to go by and all the crumbs that they guess that they drop from their lunch they pick them up off the deck that's that's always the weird irony of those rigs isn't it so it when the when the rig is standing all the birds have a nice place to stop and rest for a second and then when they chop the rig down and dump it into the water it makes a natural reef or an un, i mean an unnatural reef for a fisherman to go fish off of. well it's funny you mentioned that on the way back we had a radio call and uh, a guy had gotten hit in the head by a lionfish <laughs> And we, and at first we were like, well, how in the world could that even happen? But they were spearfishing on one of the rigs. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess they caught it or something? And it, I have no idea. All I know is it came over the radio. They were calling the Coast Guard that they had a guy on board that had been hit in the head with a lionfish. <laughs> that probably is the first time the Coast Guard's had that particular <laughs> it is. call. It is. And um, I really wish Larry would have been at work because there's a good chance they took him to UTMB. <laughs> and I could have got the details on that. But uh, she was not there at the time. <laughs> what, what kind of injury? you get from a lionfish well they say those kind of like a hardhead of it's a, the spines are poisonous i guess and they definitely can cause some damage huh never heard of that but uh yeah those lionfish it's interesting because i don't know where they're originally from asia or something like that but they were really taken over this area and they actually a lot of the i guess governments of the islands and the caribbean and things like that will give rewards if you bring in oh that's the one that they're trying to come up with delicacies for it so people start eating the damn things and uh, <laughs> exactly hunt for them exactly it's one of those evasive species so uh while you were racing um what was your what was your plan how did you uh how did you affect your uh, your plan to sail? Do you stay on the rum line? or uh, And for those who don't know, staying on the rum line just means sailing a straight line between where you started and where you finished instead of, you know, maybe fattening up or going somewhere else, sailing fatter to get the boat going faster. Well, we did make a pretty noble effort to stay on the rum line, which I think we wasn't the best uh, strategy. Like I said earlier, I think the strategy that we needed to have was to uh, keep our speed up. Did, were you watching VMG at all? Yeah. Uh, it, you weren't sailing to it? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. For people who don't know, VMG is velocity made good. And the idea is um, you can't sail a straight line to the next mark, but you can sail or sort of maximize your speed in that direction. And yep. uh, VM, that's what VMG is. So why didn't you stay on your VMG? What was going on there? Was it uh, crew arguing back and forth? or uh, No, there wasn't any arguing. I think it was just kind of just different philosophies of what we were trying to do. Um, my philosophy, obviously, as stated, we just needed to keep our boat speed up and make as much distance as we could to the mark because we knew the wind was going to die that morning. Not quite to the extent that it did, or as early as it did, or died a lot earlier than I think we were expecting as well. But anyway, you live and learn. I guess the upside is you did have you had the nicest boat to bob around on. We did have an extremely nice boat to bob around on, and when the wind died, it's always a interesting. Uh, do you want to wait it out? Do you want? I mean, what are you going to do? Because no wind. I mean, everybody talks about how uh, you don't want to get caught in a storm, and you don't want to have too rough a weather. But it's almost just as frustrating and nerve wracking as bobbing there. I mean, not on this boat, maybe, but on some boats uh, to uh, just bob out there. And I, I watched you on uh, what was it, trackleader.com, I think they had all the tracking going on there, and I, I watched you guys for a long time and then all of a sudden you were going six and a half knots or seven knots and i was like well i guess they <laughs> made a decision and started the motor because nobody else 
there was going you know, was, that fast. Yeah, it was. I mean, some of the boats didn't get in. The, the cutoff time was one o'clock Saturday, and we may have made that with the motor. Yeah, I don't know if we would have made it at all without the motor. Period. And the bottom line is, uh, of course, I love the racing and love the sailing, but I like Port Aransas, and uh, we kind of want to get down there and enjoy and uh, enjoy the place, look it, around, and see what's uh, how the recoveries come, which uh, has been good. How does it look down there? Really good. <laughs> to be honest with you, it didn't look that different to me, other than the marina itself. The marina looks fabulous. I was wondering, I guess they probably got a good settlement from the insurance company or something, and it's a municipal marina. Yeah, so. they, uh, the marina looks fabulous. And it's funny, they must have just finished in time because there's still sawdust on the docks when we got there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had literally just wrenched down the last cleat before we got there because I'm not, there was sawdust still on the dock. Well, that's awesome because I, I was really, I was really wondering about uh, recovery efforts down there. I guess the, the buildings that got damaged, they've already removed. Yeah. Because like I said, damage-wise, well, let me back up a minute because that's not necessarily true on the big, uh, that hotel or townhouse or condominium, whatever that big building was that I think used to be the finish. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The one couple, right along the channel there. Right. There's a couple of them right along the channel there that they're pretty, they're gutted. I think I remember seeing that on the video right after Harvey came through that it windows out yeah. the whole thing. Those that's are the only two bad. that I really noticed that are still... It looks like nothing's been done practically, other than maybe just cleaned up. Uh, if they were condominiums, they probably have the whole lawsuit thing going on and all of that kind of stuff. But maybe I don't know. Um, People fighting over it. I, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but that was the only thing. Other than that, there were some other minor things. The um, Seahorse Inn. Which one is that? That was the place we stayed two years ago. It's completely gone. I mean, it looks. It's completely gone. It's just Oh, slabs. that was the one that was a bunch of little buildings. Right. That was the one that took animals. You could bring your dogs yes, and exactly. stuff like that. That's why we stayed there. I've, I've <laughs> actually talked why. to people about that, and they all had the same reaction, which was, oh, we're going to take my dogs now. Yeah. Yeah. It was sad to see because that was a, a couple that uh, I think they had just bought it, too. And were so I'm sure as a small business owner recently bought a business, I'm sure they had a lot of debt that they were expecting to pay off with that place, and it's not there anymore. Well, hopefully they got they recovered. Yeah, we tried to contact them after that, and we're never able to. Mm -hmm. uh, we tried emailing and calling, and there, we never got a response. So I don't know what the whole story is there. That's bad. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. So how did the finish go um, for the boats that did finish? It looked to me like uh, second star, I think, won the Bacardi Cup. That's a J-122. I know a lot of the sailors on that boat. Really great crew, really nice guys. I think they're the ones who won the Bacardi Cup. Looked like it from the results, at least. Yeah, we tried to find the results. Uh, I know they had them, obviously, the night of the uh, party, but... You uh, don't remember them for I some reason? I don't remember all of them. Um, I, uh, of course, a bunch of friends there and talking, and I didn't pay complete attention to the entire uh, award ceremony. Well, that's why they call it the Bacardi Cup. That's, <laughs> this is true. But uh, we had a lot of participants and associates with the Windward that did really good. The, of course, uh, talking about the wind, Diane, all the fast boats got there in time while there was still, for the most part, quite a bit of wind, which right. is always... Uh, perk uh so they most of the fast boats your j boats things like that did pretty well because they were able to get almost all the way there while they still had wind it's odd i don't know how many times i've seen that uh harvest moon run that way where the the wind seems to die the second day it's like random <laughs> yeah. luck but it ha yeah. it's happened repeatedly in the past yeah, that's true well we were the last start which is something else that kind of hurt us because even the cruisers that were ahead of us that 
we should have beat were significantly ahead of us when the wind died or had the wind longer than we did. So they always had wind, and you you were the, the yeah. dropping yeah. Wind, dropping breeze there. Yeah. Sea Venture Radio is powered by Windward Sea Venture Sailboat Charter Company, an ASA certified sailing school, providing sailboat chartering and sailing lessons on Clear Lake for over twenty years. Call 281-467-2279 or go to windwardseaventure.com. Windward Sea Venture, located on Pier 3 in Waterford Harbor, Kima, Texas. All right, welcome back to Sea Venture Radio, powered by Windward Sea Venture here on Vinyl Draft Radio. Uh, Kevin and I are here and talking about the Harvest Moon Regatta and uh, kind of how it went. And uh, now we're going to get into come, what the results were and how everybody did. Uh, Kevin, I know you just mentioned it, but who was it that won? We think that's the overall. I believe second star, J122, uh, okay. won it. He sails, I think he's from Dallas, actually, but he uh, the boat sails out of Lakewood Yacht Club, so it's tied up pretty close to. It's funny you mentioned that, Dallas, because a lot of the people that, all the people, with the exception of the crew on third wish are out of dallas and a couple of them are from the waco area and those uh, people from dallas come down and charter from us a lot a lot of them for the uh, harvest moon obviously like i just said all of the boats we had were and they always come down there like oh we're just lake sailors and we just like to come down here when we can and here we go you hear us rattle through these uh, results all these lake sailors came down here and whipped our butts yeah uh, lake sailors have a lot of experience dealing with shifting winds and things like that. Uh, exactly. And I think that was a big part of their success there towards the end. Well, excellent. Um, so did you guys keep uh, watches on your boat when you were uh, sailing? Did you have a big enough crew to be shifting out watches? Or did you kind of give up on that after the winds died? Or uh? We did have watches. And I think this is something that's uh, a learning experience. Because on the Harvest Moon, when you know it's just a one-night race and everybody's excited, it's the race. And our start was at three. So we had about five or six hours to it kind of started getting dark till uh, and thinking about watches but that first watch i think is where people mess up the people that are on the later watches are still excited and wanting to pay attention to a what's going on on the boat and they don't go and lay down and rest right and that's kind of what we got into is everybody wanted to stay up and then when it got to two or three in the morning everybody wanted to go to sleep yeah you always have that problem you can tell the boats that are likely to win have a they're they're motoring down the ship channel and there's three or four people sleeping that's how you know they're (laughs) they're competitive because somebody had the foresight to say i'm going to go to sleep while the motor's running and it's hot and yeah Uh, but that's something we uh, we had we had watches posted and uh yeah just like i said the people that were on the later watches i don't think to force themselves to rest early and i think i was a, as guilty of that as anybody well the upside is nothing you could have done would have gotten you across <laughs> that true. finish line no, so. okay, go to sleep and dream about wind um, <laughs> so anyway uh that's just a i mean i think most of the time when you're going on a longer voyage you kind of know that and especially if it's not a race you just well here we are out in the middle of the water and there's water everywhere i'll go take a nap right uh, not. so what did you when the winds did die um do you think maybe you could, if you'd had like a giant jenniker or a code zero or some really large sail do you think that would have made enough of a difference our wind indicator literally said 0.0 so no is the <laughs> answer. yeah yeah it's uh, hard to sail in no wind at all yeah. i mean it very few times have i seen it uh, that as glassy as it was out there yeah i did see the pictures now that you mentioned yeah. that i guess you probably had the you probably had exactly the same wind speed that you had current <laughs> exactly yeah, the same to the direction point, i was literally like i said earlier looking for buckets or wishing we had a sea anchor to throw <laughs> out because i think we would have made more way uh awesome. sailing the current rather than the air drop all your lines in the water yeah try to keep the boat going with the current uh something we're real excited about is how well all the boats in our fleet did who else was competing 
from Windwards. We had, let's see, we'll go ahead and run down the list here. Uh, the cruising non and quick question here, Kevin, do you know they've got Division B, C, a, B, C, D, E. What's the differentiation? Is it the uh, PHRF? I'm not exactly sure. I think some years they, they, what I've seen in the past is some years they try to group boats together that are similar to some extent. So you'll have, you'll have like a Hobie 33 and, and, and an Olsen 30 will be in the same class, but maybe another 30-foot boat, like a you know, heavy displacement 30-foot boat, they wouldn't put it in the same class because they wouldn't compete the same way. Yeah, that's what we noticed as well. So I'm assuming it's probably something with their reasonably close PHRF ratings. Yeah, I'm sure they try to get the PHRF ratings close. And then it looks sometimes like they divide them up between sort of heavy cruising and, and, yeah. and lighter racing like boats. But I don't know how who, how they do that. I've yeah. never actually talked to them. That's something I'd that be division. interested in. Uh, we need to get somebody from the PHRF on the show sometime and explain that all to us a little bit. Yeah, get that, some handicappers on here. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. A, so anyway, the reason I bring that up is because we've got like you, exactly what you said. We've had... Well, uh, well, first and foremost, first here we got uh, in the cruising non-spin division B is uh, Jim Miller on Renaissance. Which oh yeah, I think everybody knows he is quite the sailor around here and uh, kind of the uh, pace car for a lot of uh, the racing around here. The cruising club and uh, and that starting off with that, he's got a Catalina Thirty, and we have another Catalina Thirty that actually did very well in a different class. And that's what kind of brought this up. They're like, well, they're both Catalina Thirties. Why are they in different classes? And that's why I'm thinking it has something. to I know he has bigger sales and they. they may have been one as ORC and one as PHRF. They could have entered two different handicapping rules, and then they would have Possibly. been two different classes. I didn't notice. Was the Who was the other 30? Everybody should love this name. It's a group of our good friends from Dallas. My ass is dragging. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, my ass is dragging too. So there's actually two of those out there. I see. <laughs> uh, but they are on a Catalina 30, uh, good friends of ours. Um, Andy Barr and his gang from uh, Fort Worth or the Lake Worth uh, Yacht Club up there in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They're really good sailors. And they they took first place in Division A. So another two Catalina 30s took first place, one in Division A and one in Division B. I, I think as far as it goes, Catalina 30s are, are lighter than a lot of the other cruising boats in their uh, in that genre. Uh, the 30, 30 foot range. So probably they had an advantage in light air, I would yeah. think, maybe. Yeah, good point. It's just a great boat. I mean, there's tons of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. The Catalinas sometimes get a bad reputation, but they're they're pretty good sailing boats, and they're they're usually built well. They're easy to work on. Yeah, laid out well. Yeah, they really are. They're great boats. So, anyways, in that cruising, so we got the cruising non spinnaker division B. Like I said, Ben Miller took first, and Howard Webb on Shiraz, so such a hundred thirty six. It's in our charter fleet. Uh, another Dallas Lake sailor that I that came down here and kicked our butts. Did really good. That's a cruise this is their second or third year that they've uh, chartered one of our boats for uh, the harvest moon and um they were done very well one of the things i i i, I want to give you a little plug here is one of the things i noticed is you had a diver in the water like the day before the race or something like that doing the cleaning the bottoms on your your charter fleet that's that's not something normal charter companies uh would necessarily do just so that you could have a better race yeah uh, well that's what we uh try to do and uh my only little bit of a complaint and concern with that was he got to everybody's boat but the one i was on <laughs> <laughs> well you, you had uh, an awful lot of hull to clean yeah there. yeah and uh, he tried actually and if i didn't know we got to the start as early as we did we probably would have waited he was planning to come back that next morning but he, well, uh, he was there all day he was there all he got there at eight o'clock that morning and it was pretty close to eight o'clock that night uh, that night and um so i don't hold it against him he busted his butt and i really appreciate it but yeah that's uh i guess it's pretty convenient for him if you're a diver and somebody 
somebody calls up and says, all my boats are in the same place and I want, you know, these yeah. eight boats or whatever it is cleaned. It's like, well, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't have to take his equipment anywhere yeah. but once. Yeah, he does a good job and we're glad to have him. That's Steve. Is that his name? Steve. Uh, Diver Steve. Cook. Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. Mm, Steve Cook. Uh, always Him and Cooper and Steve Cooper and my phone back to back and I always <laughs> almost call the other one. <laughs> Steve and, uh, Coop and Steve Cook. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, uh, so moving on, um, we've already said in the cruising non-spin division a the first place is uh, my ass is dragon two uh, catalina 30 from the crew out of dallas uh good job from them he should go race against uh, charles brodus on half fast yeah, that's true the uh cruising non-spin division c uh really happy to hear about this one and this group was a uh, another boat that's in the charter fleet it's a caliber 47 third wish uh, they took first place in uh, the Division C. And this is a group when we first – this is the first year we've sold spots on a, on our boats, not just bare boat charter, the whole boat. And it took a little bit of logistics trying to figure out how we were going to work all this. When Eric first started it, he was like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to register. I think we're just going to go do the race and uh, just – and do. we did a couple classes. We did a 106 class on it. We did a 103-104 class on it on the trip and uh just kind of incorporated all these different things into the trip and he was like well maybe we ought to just go ahead and get the bhrf so i went ahead and did the paperwork and and it was really funny progression as they worked and gelled and went through the classes and this crew came together uh each day they were like well let's do this or let's tweak that or let's make sure the bottom's clean and as it got closer and closer and they're more anxious and i'll be damned if they didn't go out and win their class (laughs) and as and uh for the whole cruising class regatta they came in second wow yeah uh so they were real excited about that and i'm real happy for them that's always good it's yeah. always a good feeling too that looks like a beautiful boat as it well. is a gorgeous boat yeah it's another one that you definitely don't want to be caught no end in that one but they were uh, fast enough to get ahead of a, a we get pretty close before the wind died nice on uh, division d cruising non-spin class uh, it's not a boat in our fleet but a good friend and uh, one of our instructors and captains michael glass uh, took first in the cruising non-spin division d uh, cruising non-spin division e another one of uh, mystic winds uh, windward's boats mystic winds took second with burt gilson and another group out of dallas yep they come down here and charter boats and kick everybody's butt that's right that's right but this was a lakes almost a lake sailor race here uh, <laughs> towards the end at least you, you mentioned that in Dallas and everything else, there's a, a boat that's come down here and won many times called uh, Soap Opera. It's a, I think it's a Hobie 33, if I remember correctly. Um, but he comes down here and kicks everybody's butt. But this year, I noticed he wasn't really, uh, I think the light air caught him. Oh, yeah. I guess because, you know, it's a the, handicap-wise, it's not as fast as the other boats in the fleet. So the, the bigger, longer, faster boats got in, and he probably got caught in the light air. Yeah. Be my guess. Um, he sails out of Dallas somewhere. Yeah. Trailers. There's a there. lot. I didn't realize in until these Dallas people started coming down, how many lakes and there really are up there? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of man-made lakes up there. Yeah, you sail around the dam and so forth. Third wish came in second overall in the uh, non-spin and Ash Walker of Good News, uh, which I don't know. I've seen the boat around. I don't know him that well, but uh, well, he, he, he. I think he's current Commodore at Lakewood, or he was last year. Oh, okay, um, but yeah, it's a beautiful boat. What it's a Larian. 40-something. Oh, that's that boat? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not realize that. Yeah, that is a gorgeous boat. Yeah, beautiful boat. Yeah, I spoke with them a little bit. I didn't realize who that was. But anyway, it was a great race overall. A lot of fun. Wish that wind would have held out another... 
Yeah, I was I was planning to come along with you guys, but I have to say, when the wind died, I was like, oh, I, I can be here. I, you know. <laughs> well, uh, it wasn't too bad. We just fired up the grill and it, threw some steaks on. And, it was uh, a perfect boat to be grilling on, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We had a good time. We had a great crew. Uh, i tell you what I really got out of it, and I enjoyed it. Even if we were just sitting there, I was on there with a bunch of engineers with the space industry from different facets of the space industry. And I was like just like a kid in a candy store growing up just down the street from uh, Ellington at the time, Air Force Base off Dixie Farm Road in Pearland. I mean, I grew up watching the shuttles coming in and out and the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds practicing for air shows and driving by NASA pretty much my whole life. Just listening to them talk, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was just really cool to uh, hear all that. And, and you know, on, on another subject there, I'm, I'm just picturing uh, one of the boats that we mentioned that uh, did well renaissance i'm always hassling him about uh he has a refrigerator down below on that catalina 30 and i'm always like well you know you ought to take that refrigerator off if you want to race then i'm picturing you on the boat and it's which refrigerator (laughs) (laughs) you're there or do you want the one that's back back outside and you know right next to the love seat or do you want the one inside or the freezer or you know and you're right we had all the one fridge was for the uh, beverages If anybody needs tortillas, we've got quite a few tortillas <laughs> left over, actually. we uh well-provisioned boat. So, like I said, we when we were uh, in the doldrums there, biding our time to decide what we were going to do, what I, one of the things I love about being offshore is you just you never know what you're going to see. So, what did you see? Well, uh, so, like I said, we had the birds that we entertained us for quite some time. And then, all of a sudden, somebody says, look, a shark. <laughs> and the shark just comes up to the back of the boat and circles around. I guess they... Uh, was it a giant shark? or It was probably about four foot. Nice. Well, actually, we saw three of them total. Not all at the same time uh, throughout the trip or throughout the drift. Yeah. Um, the water really gets pretty clear down there, doesn't it? Yeah. Getting into Rans's area. Yeah, it did. There was some sediment in it, and I think, I don't know if that's from the rains, because we were passing the Colorado, if it was just yeah uh, stuff that was flowing out from that. Yeah, we saw sharks, tons of dolphin. Got some good photos and video of the dolphin, which is generally pretty tough to yeah. pull off. Yeah, by the time you, you get your camera out, they've swum away. <laughs> yeah, but that ended up being a good time. So what, what, what did you did you have somebody who was always on watch for the platforms at night? Or did you stay with that? Or was everybody just awake and it didn't matter because you were going to see it coming? On the way down, it was pretty much uh, somebody. We had somebody up. I was actually going to get into that later, but we can go ahead and dive into it. I really got spoiled with the uh, electronics that were aboard. Radar, uh, radar, the chart plotter, everything you needed, you could imagine, was right there. I mean, I'm I'm used to uh, being on a race boat or a boat that's maybe not quite as. Uh, yeah, for any of our listeners that don't know, if you're if you're you know if the wind conditions are up and you're doing like nine or ten knots at ten o'clock and later at night, you can't see those unlit rigs out there until you're just right underneath them, and it's it can be terrifying to look yeah. up. Because there's a lot of rigs out there that no longer maintained by anybody. Probably a lawsuit's going on somewhere, or who knows what. And you get underneath that rig at, at you know a high speed, and you look up and you think, man, if I'd just been you know another yeah. hundred feet in that direction, it would rip the top of my mast off. Or yeah. you know, it's it's it can be scary. So I guess uh, you have the radar up there in the uh, the cockpit. Is there another display somewhere else? Or uh, yeah, there's one down below, and there's one in the cockpit as well. So you uh, can sit down below with a drink in your hand and. Yeah, it got a little cool out there, uh, so it was kind of nice to be able to go down below and take advantage of that. Turn on the generator, run the heater. 
We could have. It didn't get that cold. We didn't do that, but uh, it definitely would have been an option. There you go. Well, you need you need it for the microwave so you can make your popcorn. <laughs> Leave another in the microwave. Huh. Yeah, of all things, but that's fine. Yeah. It'll need a microwave. That's that's how are you how else are you gonna make your popcorn? <laughs> or your pot pies or exactly. Sea <laughs> Venture Radio is powered by Windward Sea Venture Sailboat Charter Company, an ASA certified sailing school, providing sailboat chartering and sailing lessons on Clear Lake for over twenty years. Call 281-467-2279 or go to windwardseaventure.com. Windward Sea Venture, located on Pier 3 in Waterford Harbor, Kima, Texas. All righty, welcome back to Sea Venture Radio, powered by Windward Sea Venture here on Vinyl Draft Radio. You're listening to Kevin and Daryl talking about the uh, Harvest Moon Regatta, 2018 Harvest Moon Regatta. Great trip, great start. Kind of uh, petered off towards the end when the wind died, but uh, still had a great time, a great experience, uh, great people on board, uh, great competition. Like I said, one of the things in uh, racing that I think happens anytime the wind dies, making that decision what you're going to do. Right. How long do you hold out before you start the motor? Is that what we're driving at here? <laughs> you're picking up what I'm putting down. Because the minute you start the motor, you're not, not in the race anymore. Exactly. So that was a big dilemma. Who was the major holdout on your boat? Probably Deneen. She's like, no, wait a minute longer. Ten minutes yeah. longer. And then, of course, she wanted her boat to win as a bottom line, and you Absolutely. can't blame her for that. And it came down to, uh, basically, we, like I said, I was on there with literally a bunch of rocket scientists, and I think they, they got the math. <laughs> <laughs> they got, <laughs> and uh, I think it finally came down to realizing that odds are we probably weren't going to make it to the finish and why just bob out there another night when we can get in and go and enjoy uh port aransas yeah you're going to be on the boat one way or the other did everybody stay on the boat yes we did one of the other great things about a catamaran what it has four four very nice cabins cabins four yeah. cabins four heads everybody had their own room probably wouldn't have been much better if we had got a room on shore i wouldn't think so I, the, <laughs> that boat's great down yeah. below it's big yes it i keep is. saying that uh, and, and there's a reason you keep saying that it's big so that's we bobbed and bobbed and i think it was around five o'clock uh what was that friday friday afternoon uh, that we finally decided well let's go ahead and uh, fire up the engine it looked like you guys got in around eight yeah something like that because i was watching on the tracker because i was watching all my other friends racing down there yeah. and uh, i saw you guys start moving and slide in there around there were still a bunch of boats competing though some of the boats literally drifted in one close to a raven shortly after one o'clock saturday I, I suspect a fair number of them uh, didn't take that much diesel along with them just figuring they didn't want the weight on their boats and then when the wind died they thought well we have to bob until we're close enough to possibly <laughs> to motor possibly. but i didn't know how influential we were how's that it seems like once we started ours, it's always the, who's going to be first, it seems like. Like I said, it's a big boat, so nobody was going to miss the fact yeah. that it was moving. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, definitely, we weren't, I think we were some trendsetters because uh, <laughs> shortly after we fired ours up, I think a lot of other people were kind of ready Mo to do the same. Motivated to get on in there. Um, but like I said, all the fast boats, your J boats and all that were already in. One of the ones we haven't talked about that's just, here's a cool story, actually, the uh, trimaran. Oh, yeah. I watched him. He, well, he was finished that night or something. Well, it was unreal how he fast was, he was down there. He was probably about from me to you to the uh, finish line, and with the current and the no wind, stopped. Oh, he a different trimaran. There was one that finished well, in no time. It, it might have been. The, I don't know which one this was, but he was uh, literally 
in sight of the finish line and had to drop his anchor for about five hours and wait for the current to come back in to drift him across the finish line. That's brutal. And not near as big a boat. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So uh, that I thought that was kind of an interesting story. Was it a 36 or was it smaller? 28 maybe. I don't even know which one it was. I just know it was one of those trimarans. But we finally got in and uh, we had a great slip because our slip was right there at the end of the T-head like most of it usually is with the catamarans. And like I said, the slips down there are just awesome now i mean no rafting up now granted i think this is a smaller turnout than has been in the harvest moon mm-hmm. but i think every boat got a slip every boat that made it down there great uh, so i don't know if we get a, if we do end up getting a bigger group in the future i didn't see as many places to raft up and except off the t-head but they're not even near as much room as there used to be so they've done a great job at the marina uh, like i said the only thing that we had a brief discussion on is how tall they're floating docks but the poles that um hold the floating docks in place maybe 12 feet really yeah and i'm surprised with that because i know in uh ike and waterford where they're probably about 15 feet i would guess they were about four feet from the top yeah when i came through uh my father's boat was tied up at kima wardork marina my understanding is that those and those are tall posts there and uh, my understanding is that dock floated up until it was like within a foot of the top or or less like if it had gone up just a little bit more the the entire marina would have floated onto 146 that's exactly what happened up there so that was the only thing that i kind of questioned maybe they haven't anchored down on a way that it can only go so high i don't know sink all the boats yeah but uh anyway you would think that fema or somebody else would have a standard for that and they'd you know I don't know. Porter Aransas was nice. Of course, Laurie got to get her golf cart. Oh, great. That was, I think, the first thing she... Uh, actually, she already had that set up before we got on the boat, I think. Was the golf cart as much fun without Mudbug there? Well, I don't know. For our listeners, it's important to note, Mudbug is one of the most active dogs um, <laughs> that anybody could own. Yeah. Or not. Mudbug's our uh, mascot, you might say. She's a little wiener dog something mix. We don't know. Looks like part beagle or something part like beagle, that. Part beagle, part chihuahua, part something. But she, uh, you've probably seen her on Facebook, actually. But we had a great time on the golf cart. We caught up with some uh, good friends of ours down there. They took us on a few tours. Went and, of course, took the golf cart down the beach. It was a fun trip. Something else I've been, I read an article somewhere about the uh, Tarpon Inn. Uh-huh. And I uh, never realized the historic significance of that place, but it's pretty cool. I think Teddy Roosevelt slept there at least once. Yes, exactly. Been there 100 years at least, yeah. Yeah, uh, over 100 years because one of the kind of tradition, one of the traditions there is, I guess Port Aransas used to be one of the best places to catch tarpon. Right. And uh, if you catch a tarpon, you would sign the scale and uh, put it on the wall there right. with your name and the size of the tarpon and the date. And they had uh, scales dating back to the 1800s. Wow. Of people who had caught tarpon there. They had Teddy Roosevelt's tarpon scale there. Wow. Was it, did he sign? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, have, I spent the night there uh, more than 10 years ago once. And it, the rooms are small, but it's definitely, I mean, it, it gives you that 100 uh, plus year old hotel <laughs> feeling. It's, yeah. it's, it is what it is. It's a great spot. Yeah. I highly recommend going in there and uh, checking that out, even if you don't stay. And neat stop. I'm glad we made it. So what was the, what was the, prim- was there a primary hangout where most of the sailors would find themselves one, one bar? or something like that i don't know we went we went and bar hopped a little bit it seemed like more people stayed on their boats this year than they had in the past probably a lot of people thought there wouldn't be spots or maybe there weren't spots yeah. as close yeah i don't know what the uh 
thought process was there, but I didn't see as many people out and about. I think part of it was because people got in a lot later than true in the past a lot of times people are there friday night so that's kind of the night to go out and uh hit the bars and things and then saturday night's the night yeah when you roll out, it roll in there at eight o'clock you're not going to be walking off that boat until nine or ten probably right so, so uh i think most people went with the party uh, saturday night that's what most people did and i think just kind of hung out there and then didn't end up getting out and about port is a lot of uh a lot of changes there in some ways but in a lot of ways it's still the nice little kind of quaint relaxing laid-back texas coastal town it is funny down here when you sail into uh some of the most of the areas down here if you stay in 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 aransas it has an island feeling to it that that's kind of hard to explain yeah which is strange what you'd think but it's kind of a a nice mix between a small texas town and maybe somewhere in the islands because it has i mean they try to make it look like it's in the islands anyway because it's a marina but uh uh, it has that uh, laid back, you know, let's just ha- have another drink and drink out of a coconut and, <laughs> yeah. you know. One of the things we saw that uh, I thought was just really cool, there was about a 12-year-old boy and his dog pulled up to the fuel dock uh, in probably a 22-foot fishing center console fishing boat. Just pulled up there, got fuel, and he did not have a phone in his hand. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, this is how a kid's supposed to grow up. Right. I thought that was really cool. Some freedom. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, true story, about two hours later, he's pulling in another boat, just him and his dog, towing them in. <laughs> like, this is, uh, this is pretty he's, cool. He's going to be running his own sea tow service. <laughs> yeah. You know? Guide and sea tow service. Awesome. Yeah, it really was. So anyway, we um, had a great trip back. It was just three of us on the way back. Most of the people had to get back to work. So who? it was you and Deneen and who? Dave. Okay, great. Uh, I don't know if you met Dave or not, um, but he's a friend of Deneen's. Was uh, he the David that raced with us on the water? Yes, yeah, yes, so I exactly. Have, I've met him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Great guy. I had a lot of fun. Uh, the only thing uh, problem I had with him was his Longhorn's cap. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't have to have some words with him about no, that? No, I bit my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> had a uh, good time. Well, if I'd been there, I'd just been wandering around going, boomer, boomer, boomer <laughs> yeah. sooner. That might have been a fight might have broke out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we had a good time going back. And like we talked a little bit about earlier, I just got spoiled with the uh, instruments that uh, were on board. Cause now, you're one of those people. You go and you, you just use your phone most of the time because you don't want to mess around with the instruments. Yeah, so it's you, it, interesting to me to hear you saying this. We had to bring that up. I dropped my phone at the party. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't uh, didn't have that option. Uh, but you're right. Most of the time, I just use my Navionics or Navtronics app, and uh, that's pretty much it. Did you guys use the autopilot much on the way back? Or I don't think we touched the wheel. There you go. Yeah. Well, you'd have to put your drink down to touch the wheel. So yeah, yeah, this is true. But yeah, you mentioned the radar, and that you talked about being under sail and racing and not having radar. And watching out for the lit, the rigs. And for those of you that haven't been out there, it's really amazing how many unlit objects and big objects that are out there. And there's also just the random posts, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you're sailing along and there's just some steel posts sticking out of the water and there's no light on it or anything. And you don't know where it came from. And you think, man, I'm glad I didn't hit that. Yeah. And the, but that radar was a lifesaver. There was one that we were heading directly for. And it would have been a scenario we would have seen it at the last minute had the radar not picked it up. But <laughs> put a couple of 
plus one clicks in the autopilot and uh, cruised on by it and watched it go by and it's right where the radar said it now was. She's, she's got AIS on that boat, too, right? Did, she does. Do any of the rigs send out an AIS signal? I've always wondered about that. They could. No, they don't that I saw. But a lot of the other, a lot of the boats have AIS now. I was surprised how many of the cruising and sailboats have it, but I guess I shouldn't be. But I mean, it's uh, such an such an excellent thing. Even if you don't have radar, it's it's going to give you a lot of information you'd like to have about you know. It really does, and one of the perks that I never should have thought of, but hadn't. There was a, a seismic boat out there. Oh uh, wow! And they called us by name. I mean, in the past, I'd be like, all right. Westbound tow. This is a northbound sailboat trying to make some identification, but there's no need for that anymore. So the seismic boat was able to tell you he's towing cables behind him, and exactly, he said he called us up, Delta Tango, and I said, "This Delta Tango, go ahead." And he uh, said, "Well, th- uh, this is so and so seismic boat, and uh, we're uh, right ahead of you. We were on course, so you need to change your course because I'm restricted in my ability to maneuver." And uh, it was as simple as that. Right. So I put plus ten. On the autopilot, (laughs) (laughs) push-button sailing. Actually, we we did have the main up, but we pretty much just motor-sailed all the way back. So I I guess for um, all the other boats out there as well, even if they didn't have AIS, they could see you and they could hear this guy talking to you, so they could be like, oh, there's a seismic boat. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's funny you mention that, which brings to an important point is have your VHF on when you're out there on something like that. Oh, yeah. And have it up because we listen to him try to hail another boat and they never responded so i don't know if they just had it turned down because people were trying to sleep because it was about two o'clock in the morning i guess when this took place but you need to have that vhf up when you're in traffic areas and anywhere along the gulf coast is a high traffic area from i have i i have talked to people who shall remain nameless that i know go out there and they'll start the motor put on the autopilot and sleep and it's like you got to have somebody keeping watch period and that's just i mean that's the law for all intents and purposes i don't i don't know if it's effectively the law for a recreational boat but it ought to be but yeah i definitely saw new perks of the uh i mean i always knew there was advantages to the ais but scenarios such as that it was uh, definitely excellent showed it and proved it so harvest moon kind of brings things down to the end of the season so it's kind of bittersweet that it's over uh it's always uh of course is a charter boat sending boats out with people on charters uh fortunately we've got pretty consistent solid uh charters and captains that charter the boat so uh don't get too nervous about that as i used to built my confidence up so it's always kind of exciting and a little bit nervous but uh, uh everything went well extremely well this year um so uh, that was a great success. You know, I'd, I'd have to throw this in there. You reminded me of something. I was, I got up, uh, I guess it was probably Friday morning and, uh, you know, logged into Facebook and there's a message to me from the United States Coast Guard on Facebook. <laughs> what? So I looked at that and it's, um, I'm not, the boat shall remain nameless, but somebody had apparently contacted them regarding one of the boats. I know this boat and I know he doesn't, he's not, it's not a big boat, so he doesn't have AIS, he doesn't have anything else. And I guess somebody contacted the Coast Guard, I can't find my friend and he's doing the Harvest Moon. And the Coast Guard contacted me and before, before I was able to respond, they'd responded again and said, we've established contact with that boat. But really? I just thought it was really interesting that um, they, they apparently got a whole thing because, I mean, they thought to come back to me and tell me, by the way, don't worry about it. Whoa. So they must have kept a list of everybody they'd contacted and made sure that they got back to me. But it was just so interesting. I don't have any connection to this person except 
they I guess they found me on Facebook and saw that I'm friends with him on Facebook. They probably maybe contacted all of his friends or all of his sailing friends. It was pretty interesting to think about. Wow, that is interesting. I tell you, I mean, Coast Guard is an organization that I highly respect. And, uh, yeah, it was very professional. Yeah. As expected. So, like I said, things are kind of winding down to uh, close this season, but uh, it's, the weather's great. This is the first time we've had a show. I didn't even know if we were in the right spot when I pulled up because uh, it wasn't raining. It isn't raining. That's <laughs> This is the, the first, first show we've done. Right. <laughs> this is it number eight or something like that? 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize we'd done that many. Yeah. This is uh, our 14th episode, so that's exciting. It's been fun and uh, glad to be a part of it, and I hope you have too, and oh, I hope yeah. you continue to... Uh, Tune in, and uh, like I said, if you uh, wonder what's going on, uh, keep up with us with Sea Venture Radio here, powered by One Word Sea Venture on Vinyl Draft Radio. Come check us out, Waterford Harbor Pier Three, uh, our Facebook page, or keep track of us on Instagram, or you can always go to just windwardseaventure.com. or just give us a call at two eight one four six seven two two seven nine. Thanks for joining us, and as always, get out on the water and feel the heel. Sea Venture Radio, a weekly radio show dedicated to those who love life on the bay. Sea Venture Radio, Tuesday afternoons at 2, powered by Windward Sea Venture in Kima, exclusively on Vinyl Draft Radio.